Dr. Greg Wells, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's so cool to be on your show, really, uh, you know, especially especially now. The more I can hang out and chat to people and learn, this is, this is going to be great. We're going to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So are you doing more virtual chats? Are you trying to be more proactive in doing that now that we're all working from home? Yeah. So um, the really interesting thing was like I'm a probably 80% of my company's revenue uh, up until about a week ago was Greg flying all over the world and speaking, oh, uh, you know, with some courses on the side, some consulting on the side, although that was growing, you know, and we were talking for probably about a year, like we should really do more of that. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously this coronavirus thing hit and I watched the the speaking revenues go to zero in 12 hours. That was of wild. Wow. Um, as they should. And sure. um you know, my wife's is also my wife's a therapist, so she's a chiropractor, acupuncturist, and so obviously, you know, she's not working at the moment either. Yeah. And so we were like, um, I got my team together virtually, and we we're like, all right, guys, now's our time. And uh, that was obviously after like a forty-eight hour period where I was feeling sorry for myself, and then I was like, all right, enough of that, let's move forwards. And um, so we rebuilt basically our entire company from the ground up in about five days. Uh, moved everything to online, uh, set up all of our programs digitally, redid all of our assets to make them clean, consistent. Uh, and it has literally exploded in the last 36 hours. I've been going nonstop virtual keynotes all over the world. Um, like wow. just a few months ago, booked one in India, set one up for Australia, bunch of private schools, three companies, including a major bank. And we've sort of bundled digital presentations with online learning and our new app that comes out in a few weeks and it is like exploded. So in the middle of this total train wreck of a situation, we've managed uh -huh. to, you know, in about five days pivot into a, an infinitely better scenario for all of us. Cause you know, I, I believe I have, I've always been into tech. Like I have in front of me, I'm looking at myself. So I've got an Apple watch an iPhone an iPad, uh, a MacBook pro, like a, two different cameras running. Like I love technology. And so this is what we're prepped for. Like we've been yeah. into this for a long time. And so now it's time. And you've to got that fancy ring as well. I remember. The Ura ring. Yeah. The Ura ring is like my lifesaver at the moment. Cause it's interesting. You know, about a month ago, I was just so tired. And so I haven't been using it for a long time and I put it back on. So for those of you listening, it's Ura ring, O-U-R-A. And it has a bunch of sensors inside that measure your temperature, your heart rate, heart rate variability. Uh, it can pick up movement from your phone, which is Bluetooth, Bluetooth connected to, and it tracks your sleep. And when I use it and actually look at what I'm doing in and around sleep, it really makes a huge difference for me. And I realized I was really tired, wasn't sleeping super deeply, uh, fixed a bunch of stuff around what I was doing in the hour before going to sleep, got a lot mm -hmm. more consistent. Uh, and Judith and I worked on that and feeling a lot better right now and uh funny enough my entire family has been really prioritizing sleep as we've been home over the last few uh, like probably about 10 days you know starting at the beginning of march break through to right now when, when we're recording this and you know everyone is feeling better uh everyone's you know not sleeping as much as we have recovered uh and, uh -huh. and rested so it's super interesting that this you know disaster globally is having some pretty positive effects at least in the you know the short term for my family yeah so let me ask you this what i mean you this is your your day to day you live and breathe this peak performance lifestyle um what what should we all be doing you know so i mean there's there's so many 
different types of scenarios, right? Unfortunately, there are those people that, uh, especially in the in the hospitality uh, industry, travel restaurants, who unfortunately aren't, you know, can't necessarily work from home. Um, and then you've got those people, uh, maybe like you and I, who we can work remotely, we can work from home. Um, what should we be doing generally, you know, especially during these times? That's a really interesting question. So uh, I will come at it from the perspective of me as a physiologist. So just so everyone knows, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a physiologist. I study how the human body works. I did a master's and PhD at the University of Toronto, uh, postdocs at Toronto General Hospital and SickKids Hospital. I'm currently a a research scientist in exercise medicine at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto, in addition to my speaking and books and other stuff. And so I will come at this from a the perspective of what can you do to optimize your physiology in this very difficult time? Yeah. And I think that there's a few critical things that we can do now that we may have a little bit of extra time that we didn't have before. Uh, I understand that financial pressures have gone up significantly for almost sure. everybody. And so we've obviously got to deal with that. That's not my expertise, so I will not I will not sort of dig into that one. Uh, but really, you know, how do we optimize our health in this time when we're at home? We may have a little bit of extra time, uh, either we're not commuting or you know whatever. And so there's a few critical things I, I think that we can do. You know, one of my team members, uh, Sarah Thompson, emailed me this morning and she sent a really interesting message over from her morning meditation that she was doing, and she said, you know, this is a time when we all can be doubling down on our health. And so I think the first and foremost thing for all of us to do is not perceive this as a time when we can binge watch Netflix and eat like garbage and, yeah. you know, to sort of sloth out the next three weeks as we're all, you know, sort of sheltering in place and how it is a time when we can actually get healthier. It's a time when you can get fitter. It's a time when you can take up that new hobby that you've been looking to do. It's a time when you can take that online course and learn something new. Uh, diversify your skill set and uh, actually build your capabilities in this time. And so I've really been doubling down on that. Like we've, Judith, my wife and I have been training pretty hard. Like we got mm. a bunch of in, in uh, gear that you can use from uh, a buddy of mine that runs a company called Fitness in a Bag. You can check that out, fitnessinabag.ca. We'll send you a bag full of fitness gear that you can use for your home, like tubing and stretch cords and you know, a medicine ball and all sorts of other stuff like that, like really awesome stuff. So we've been doing tons of what we call dry land work. Uh, I've been running on the treadmill. Uh, I still run outside. I'm not cycling outside at the moment, but I'm riding, you know, a little trainer in front of the TV. So we have like really doubled down on, on our fitness and what we're trying to do to stay fit and healthy. My daughter, who's nine, is now running on the treadmill. She loves it. The deal is if she wants to watch any TV, she has to do it on the treadmill. So she's down for that. Uh, because she's doing it, my five-year-old son is in on it, although he just jumps on it for five minutes and gets off, but whatever, he's yeah. still exercising. Sure. Uh, and so anyway, sleep and exercise are two huge things. And then another really important piece of the puzzle is that we know that nutrition is so foundational for our health. So now's the time to take, now is the time to take the time to actually make healthy meals, uh, use spices, explore different types of cuisine, eat with your family and actually have a conversation with them while they're eating make super healthy snacks, try out, um, like right now I'm, you know, I'm experimenting with, uh, coffee and coconut milk and, or coconut oil and 
cinnamon and a bunch of other stuff, trying to figure out a, a concoction that I like that fuels me for all these podcast interviews that I'm doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's our time. Maybe take up meditation, take up photography, because you can photograph all sorts of stuff in your, in your head. Like, now's the time. Rebuild from scratch. You know, take this opportunity. And obviously, I believe that if we do all of those things, that actually improves our health and strengthens mm-hmm. our immune system, which is even more important in this time. Oh, yes. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. So, uh, now you're a big proponent of, uh, of sleep. Um, I, I remember I, I heard you speak, uh, oh my goodness, maybe a month, maybe a month ago. And, and you, talked about, you talked about Kawhi Leonard, and, or you started off with Kawhi Leonard and sort of um, the, the, the regiment that the Toronto Raptors had him on. And then you tied that into, you know, everyone in the audience and, and, and sleep and the importance of that. Um, I'm wondering if, if you could talk a little bit about that, especially, you know, the situation where you're right, we're all at home, we're commuting less, um, we've got more time theoretically to do different things. What's what's the real important uh, importance about sleep that you find? Well, I think it's about recovery and regeneration. So the story that I told was based about Kawhi Leonard when he was playing for the Toronto Raptors playoffs a year ago now. Mine can't believe how fast time has gone. But yeah. the year before Kawhi Leonard joined the Toronto Raptors and it's in the NBA, the basketball, uh, for anyone that's not familiar with that. And when he was with uh, um, San Antonio, the Spurs, the year before, he was injured, wasn't getting along with the medical staff, sort of withdrew into his own world, uh, and ultimately got traded. So he was run down. Uh, he was not recovering from his injuries. And you know, as a result, he wasn't able to perform to his potential as an athlete. When he got to Toronto, the first person that he began to work with was Alex McKechnie, the director of sports science for the Toronto Raptors, who's a physiotherapist. Mm-hmm. And Alex began to work with Kawhi on what's called load management strategies, which meant, over you know, first of all, they began to do lots of rehab. They began to strengthen. He went back to base training, uh, rebuilt his fitness, dealt with the injury the best that they could. And to ensure that he would not get broken down during the course of the season as he played himself into game shape, they made sure that he didn't do any back-to-back games. They made sure that uh, they tracked his minutes and kept his minutes low so that by the time he got to the playoffs, he was healthy and fit and energized, which is a slightly different approach than is normal in pro sports where you push, 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 go, 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 and if you get injured, you get injured, and it's just sort of attrition. And so this is something that I think is relevant for all of us in the world in general, and especially right now when we need to be recovering and regenerating and recharging even more And so I think we can all apply this concept of load management to our lives, which means that when we work, we work really hard. That's totally fine. When we're in on a project, we're all in on the project. We get it done. We, you know, do our very, very, very best. When we're training, we're in the gym, we're working hard or in your home gym now or running or playing in the park, whatever it happens to be at the moment to stay fit. Mm -hmm. But then when it's time to recover and to regenerate, that is the most important thing that you can do. That turns us all into 24-hour, quote-unquote, athletes, where we perform to our potential, but then we eat super healthy foods, so we have the nutrients that we need to rebuild ourselves, and then sleep so that we can rebuild our tissues during the course of the night, clean our brains out, heal the body, activate the immune system. And it's a slightly different approach than people may be used to thinking about, but sort of like go all out and then recover and regenerate. So instead of being 
70% function all the time, we're going for 110% function and then 30% function. It's kind of wild that in this this moment of the coronavirus that everyone's being forced to take that time to decompress, to relax a little bit at home, to slow yeah. the pace of life down. We even see the planet healing um, yes. as, we, as we do that as well, which is almost like the entire planet is doing this together. So it's a, it's a very, very interesting time to watch. It is wild. Uh, you mentioned earlier about um, how you and uh, your wife had to, uh, I guess, refigure out or rejig your, your last hour. Or protect that that last hour. Um, I remember you you talking about that last hour, sort of you, you know before you go to bed, is, is the time where you just want to relax. And I can't remember if you said like read a book or read some fiction or whatever. Talk to me about the importance of that. Yeah, I think that it's so powerful when we control our lives a lot more than we're maybe used to doing. And we yeah. understand that we are actually in control of how we sleep. We are actually in control of our energy levels. We're in control of our fitness. We're in control of our performance. And one of the ways I think that we can control our the quality of our sleep is by thinking about that last hour as an opportunity to decompress, to slow down, to unplug, to calm ourselves down. I've got two little kids, they're five and nine. And, you know, over dinner last night, Judith was literally whispering over dinner. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm <laughs> trying to calm the kids down. I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we can do things like read fiction. I think that when you read a great story, it activates the same regions of the brain that you use to dream. And so it sets us up for getting into a place where we can uh, visualize and imagine and, and drift off into a really great sleep rather than, you know, reading the difference between reading the latest headlines, scrolling through your newsfeed, oh you know, my. on all of the stuff that's going on right now, and then putting your iPad down and trying to fall asleep versus reading a great book, hard copy with a little nightlight until you get fatigued, until you get a little bit drowsy, put the book down, flip off the light and go to sleep. Like just imagine the difference in your mindset at that particular moment as you drop off to sleep, either prompted with for anxiety versus calm and restful and sort of daydreaming or sorry, night dreaming almost as you drop into, into sleep. So when we defend that last hour, it's huge. I've also been doing little tricks like really, if I've had a good workout during the day, I will do a hot bath at night, mm -hmm. Epsom salts. The, the research on Epsom salts is sketchy, but I like them. Uh, and then stand up and then just cool off in a shower. So in that way you're, you're relaxed, you're calm, you've absorbed some magnesium possibly through the skin. Not hundred percent sure about that according to the research, but I, yeah. I, I personally, Greg, enjoy it. So it's like an N of one on my own personal experiment, stand up, cool shower. When you decrease body temperature, that triggers the release of melatonin, which makes a big difference uh, in terms of your ability to fall asleep quickly. We've installed blackout blinds in all of the rooms in our house to make sure that when we are sleeping, the rooms are pitch black. And we're trying to be really consistent with what time we go to sleep. That also helps because huh. the body learns when to release melatonin. So if you are consistent with your bedtime, it's going to know when it's supposed to release those hormones into your system to help you to fall asleep at the right times. So there's lots of things that we can be doing in that last hour to create a barrier between the day and when we fall asleep to enable us to sleep well. And then the first half of sleep, what that does is there's the glial lymphatic system activates, which washes out the brain. We encode uh, 
all of the things that we've learned during the course of the day into long-term memory. Second half of sleep is when we physiologically recover a little bit better and also when we are creative and we problem solve. So all of these amazing things happen when we sleep and we might think of ourselves as being sort of immobile and sleep as a uh, time when the body shuts down. It's actually very active. Mm. Lots of things are happening. Lots of things are rebuilding themselves. Lots of things are you know, being cleaned out. And so it's a very, very active time in the last hours. The key, I believe, to setting you up to getting a great sleep as often as possible. You're, you're, you're speaking and I'm thinking in my brain, oh my goodness, I'm going to be an Olympic athlete. I can just uh -huh. feel, you know, it's like, it's like you're, you're, you're training. How, how did you, did you fall into this? Did you, was this a passion as you were a kid? How did you, you know, get so curious and interested in, 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 in how to, uh, I guess, maximize the potential of your body? Uh, yeah, I did sort of fall into it in a weird way. I, I kind of fell out of a, a wave. Um, so when I was young, I was a, a competitive swimmer and uh, reasonably good. I was on the Canadian youth, youth team. And uh, as part of that, on a March break in when I was 15 years old, went down to Florida uh, on a training camp and got caught in a very great big wave. And we were body surfing, which we shouldn't have been doing. But anyway, um, mm. big wave dropped me on my head, broke my neck in a whole bunch of places. And that sort of sparked my interest in the human body as I went through traction and neurosurgery and then you know, back into swimming again and ultimately was able to swim through university and then go commentate the Olympics in Barcelona, which was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. Wow. Um, that was super fun at 21 years old. But um, so and you can sort of do the math, figure out how old yeah. I am. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was really interesting. They did a kinesiology degree, came out of my kin degree, started to do consulting in businesses. That was awesome. Rapidly hit a ceiling, discovered I need, needed more education, went back and did a master's PhD. And the first one was in exercise science, which is what I was interested in. Then I morphed over and drifted into respiratory physiology, breathing. That was the PhD that launched me into respiratory medicine at SickKids Hospital with cystic fibrosis. And then uh, that led me into uh, oncology and working with kids with leukemia because some of them uh, develop lung problems as they're going through chemotherapy. That led into biomedical engineering. Uh, at Toronto wow. General. So like that was sort of the cadence and pathway for everything. And then uh, ultimately ended up commentating another couple of Olympics that's re-sparked my speaking, which I was doing, you know, 20 years earlier and consulting for businesses. And mm -hmm. so that's the arc of, of everything that's sort of been happening since I was, you know, got hit by that wave when I was 15, all the way up to this particular instant when we're talking about human physiology at scale through your podcast. It's just, it's, you imagine wow. you never in a million years could have probably predicted what we could do right now and uh, it's just it's so mind-blowing and amazing what we're able to do through technology and to share all of this information with people so pretty grateful and happy right now yeah do you still keep in touch with uh, uh, with with athletes uh, you know uh, top athletes because that you know the reason I'm, I'm asking is is the uh, you know they just canceled the summer Olympics or they've postponed them sorry um, until 2021 I'm, I'm curious you know your thoughts on that and if you've, if you've, uh, I know you're busy, but I don't know if you've had a chance to speak to any, any athletes about that. Yeah, no, for sure. I've still got a few athletes and coaches that I work with. Mm -hmm. uh, I've had a few athletes on this podcast and I think that every single one of them universally, be it, uh, you know, Tommy Fleetwood, who's a golf, an elite golfer, Kylie Mass, who's a world champion swimmer. Both have been on the show on my podcast. Um, you know, they're both indicated that, 
this is the right thing to do. It's hard, but it's understandable. Everyone's echoing the fact that health comes first. This is a global pandemic that transcends sports. Obviously, it's very difficult because in the Olympic year, you decrease your training. You don't actually do as much training as you normally would do. You're sharpening, you're refining, you're Mm. speeding up. You've actually hard work in the two to three years before. And so the Olympic year is about peak performance, basically from September almost for 11 months into the Olympics. So they're going to have to get back into really hard training really quickly to get back as much fitness as possible so that once you enter into training again in October to prep for 2021, you're going to be able to get back into that sharpening phase again. So it's hard. It's going to require some changes to the plan because actually right now they would have all been starting to taper into the Olympics, back off their training, get rid of fatigue, uh, aches and pains, stress, you know, really sharpen and refine technique. But actually that's all out the window. It's back to basics and up-leveling fitness. So they got to get back in the, as soon as possible, back into the gyms, back into the pools, back onto the tracks. Uh, I know Kylie has been broadcasting her daily dry land workouts, skipping and push-ups, and, you know, all the stuff she's doing in her backyard. Uh, so, you know, they, I think they recognize that it's the right thing to do. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, obviously some athletes are going to miss out. This was their chance you know, in a year from now, they might be too old or they might be injured. So that's tragic, but I think everyone's on board with it being the right thing to do. Yeah, it must be a huge mental reset as well. You can just imagine sort of operating your entire life, you know, 10, 20 years in some cases for this one moment, everything defined and timed down to a specific day so that you know at a specific day at a certain time of day, you are going to be at your absolute best uh, physiologically, mentally, emotionally, and all of a sudden that gets thrown out. So, and you don't know if you're going to get that chance or not. There's stories going all over the place. You've dedicated your life to something at a specific time and it's suddenly taken away. And then there's waffling in, you know, the IOC about, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Everyone knows it's not going to happen. And they're being, you know, stubborn about it for whatever reason. And then eventually you, you do learn that it's been canceled. You know, you're, you're basically three months from the finish line of something that you've been working for for your entire life and that disappears and then gets pushed out. And so you have to reevaluate, reset, refocus, uh, and launch right back into it with no looking backwards whatsoever. You can't have what if thoughts, you simply have to have, okay, what now thoughts. So you, you accept what has happened, you launch right into it and you have to move forwards, which is not too different from what all of us need to do right now Mm -hmm. as well you know the world it it is what it is it's out of our control to some extent although we do need to obviously follow the guidelines that are being released and suggested by the world health organization and and professionals who are you know very clear about what we need to do to minimize this pandemic and get through it as quickly as possible but uh yeah it's interesting to watch how the athletes are responding and what we can learn from it yeah um, I've, I've got to ask you this because you're a father and I know you've got your, your daughter is, 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 seems to be fully engaged with, uh, with her schooling. Um, you, what can parents do to, uh, to help, uh, keep their kids focused at this time, uh, you know, dur- during this pandemic? So what we have done is pretty impressive. Huh, let me take a step <laughs> back. 
yeah. what Judith has done, okay, what my wife right. has done, because she rocks, and I have no idea. Give credit what where credit is due. <laughs> 100%. I am watching her absolutely dominate this situation and like just do incredible things. Our house is actually better now than it was before. And she's doing a bunch of different stuff. The first thing is there's a defined structure, and we launched into that a week ago. Mm-hmm. Once we realized this was gonna, we were going to be in this for the long haul, this is not going to be over anytime soon. So we sort of mentally set ourselves for the fact that school is probably not going to happen for the rest of the year. I would be shocked if it did. Even if it did, my kids aren't going back. We're going to bunker mm-hmm. down for a little while. Yeah. And so she built a structure for the day. Kids get up at a certain time. And really interesting, actually, as they have started to sleep, a lot more they're starting to wake up earlier on their own so it's not like we're fighting to get them out of bed to go to school anymore like they're both up and at it at around 7 a.m which is kind of cool they're getting rested so anyway they're up super healthy breakfast everyone goes outside for a walk the dog goes out for a walk the kids go out for a walk we all go outside then they come in they've got an hour of school work that they do they're doing duolingo um adam my five-year-old's learning french ingrid's nine she's learning norwegian they get to choose what language wow. they learn Um, They both got math books. They launch into math for a little while. Not very long, like, you know, 30 minutes each. Like, we're keeping it pretty tight and pretty short. Then you need something a bit more active. So then Ingrid goes in the back room and plays some piano for a little while. Adam, we've set, what we do is we set up pillows. He sits in the living room. We put pillows all around him. We put the iPad in front of him, and he takes drumming lessons. He's got two drumsticks, but he just smashes the pillows all okay. around him with head with headphones connected into the eye. So he does drumming and he goes mental for half an hour. So that burns <laughs> some, that burns some energy. Uh, that brings us to in and around lunch, eat some food, go outside, play a little bit, burn some energy, come back in, repeat the cycle with different topics. Then they get to about two thirty, three o'clock. They're done. Uh, right now they're doing video call check-ins with their teacher to explain what they've done every day. They also do something artistic. So there's like drawing, there's, um, cre- you know, creating of different things. They've done a couple web projects. So they're pretty engaged with a lot of stuff. And then from That's about awesome. four till six, we just unleash them and make them as tired as possible. So we do like cycling, um, uh, gosh, what are those? Scootering. We do yeah, running. Yeah. We do climbing. We do like they were climbing trees last night because we're still outdoors. Yeah. Um, we're obviously not touching the park equipment at the mo- at the moment, and st- we're staying away even from park benches and stuff like that. But we just unleash them on the on the on nature for a couple hours. Yeah. Come in six o'clock, baths, bed, read, and they're all out cold by like seven thirty, eight o'clock, and they get twelve hours. So wow. that is what we're setting up. We're using techniques like the iPads we've got set up. We've got Duolingo. We've got YouTube kids for video less um, drumming lessons and math le- math lessons and and uh, piano lessons. Um, we've ordered a whole bunch of math books. The kids are doing math at home. And uh, yeah, we've got like crayons and markers and pens. Like we've just gone all in on creating a, an environment where they're basically, you know, at school in the house. And because there's a structure and the kids know what they're doing at what time, they don't argue or fight or negotiate. It just is. This is math. You got 30 minutes. They sit down. They do it. OK, cool. Music time on our thing that we've got up on the wall. OK, let's go in and do music. So. There's no negotiating. There's no discussion. Like it's just like school, right? They're not negotiating yeah. when class starts or stops. You just lean into it and you go. And so we've just tried to replicate that scenario here as much as possible. Wow. You know, you know, after all this is done, people are going to be sending kids to your house. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to happen. I'm going to be getting, I will be sending, well, you know what? That's actually funny. I'm happy when this is all over to have other kids come in as long as I can get rid of mine. Okay, okay. Just, it's like a trade. It's a trade. <laughs> I'm down. I'm totally down. I'm going to be so sick of my kids by then. I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm actually really loving being at home with them a little bit at the moment, given how much I normally travel. So um, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Dr. Greg Wells, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you've, you've got a, a, a fascinating uh, book that you just released. Um, you're, you're, you've got a, an active blog, obviously the, the weekly podcast, uh, newsletter. Um, if people want to sort of consume or find out more information about what you're doing and uh, all these amazing tips that you share, where can they go? Yeah, thanks, Karim. Um, so the new book is Rest, Refocus, Recharge. If anyone wants to pick it up, now's your chance to read a book without being interrupted. I'd be honored and privileged if you did so. If you want to connect with me on social, they are all at Dr. Greg Wells, Dr. Greg Wells. And my website is Dr. Greg Wells, and my consulting company is wellsperformance.com. So you can check out everything all over that. But if you just search Dr. Greg Wells you'll, on Google, you'll find me. And Super thrilled to answer everyone's questions. A lot more. I have a lot more time now than I normally have. So sure, yeah. Uh, flip me a message to my website, and I'd be happy to get back to you. And uh, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Keep up all the great work that you're doing as well. I'm super honored and privileged to be connected, and uh, looking forward to you know carrying on the conversation in the future when things are a little bit less intense and uh, we can dig into this stuff a little bit more. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. 